we can put our hands together for Brother James Land. Amen. God bless you, family. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat. It's good to be here again. It's a little bit colder than the last time I was here. Lots changed in the last month. This uh, West Texas gets a little bit cold. <laughs> but it's not as windy, so that's good too, right? How is everyone this morning? Amen. Praise God. Well, I have a great message this morning. I want to know how many of y'all have come to hear a word from God. Amen. Well, that's half of you. The other half of y'all, are y'all still sleeping? Or you know what? Give your, your neighbor an elbow right there. Tell them to wake up and ask them if they're ready to hear a word from God. Amen. All right. Well, I got a great message if that's what you came for. I feel confident. I feel good about the word the Lord has given to me. As a matter of fact, the Lord put this word in my heart when I was here last time. And I said, man, Lord, but I've already got this other message you, you, I know you spoke to me about. And uh, the Lord in his goodness knew that we would be back. And so I'm going to share this message with you all this time. Amen. Um, so whenever we come to church and we're expecting and we're looking forward to get something from God to receive a word from him and receive a message, that, that, um, that determines an expectation. That means, hey, I'm, I'm coming to get something this morning. I'm not just coming to sit here and check off I went to church on Sunday. Amen? And in order to do that, we have to have faith. How many of you have faith this morning? Amen? Excellent, excellent. Well, I don't believe any of us are here by coincidence. Um, I believe that we're all here because Jesus has us here. Jesus appointed this time for us to have an encounter with him, for our lives to be changed. Amen. How many of you want to believe with me for that today? Amen. Hallelujah. So today, I'm going to go ahead and say it right now just to get it out of the way. If you're needing a title for today's message, it is called Born for the Storm. Amen. Born for the storm. Now today I'm going to be reading um, out of two different passages in Scripture, but they're talking about the same event that went on. Amen? And what we're talking about here is where Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000 people. Everybody remember that story? He took, uh, what was it, five fish and two loaves, I believe it was, or vice versa, and he fed 5,000 people. And after this, Jesus intentionally does something with his disciples. He intentionally does something with them that he, we haven't seen him do before. Amen? And, and here in Scripture, we're going to see that, that what the Lord is doing is intentional. And every time God moves in our life and God is doing something in our life, he does it intentionally. Amen? He is very intentional with our lives. He's not up there just kind of playing around and seeing what's going to happen. God is very intentional when he does something. So when he does something, he's doing it on purpose. Amen? But let me throw this out there. When he doesn't do something, he's doing it on purpose also. Amen? We tend to get in this mentality, this, this way of thinking that, oh, God's got to be always doing something. Well, sometimes he, he's doing nothing. And when he's even doing nothing, he's doing it on purpose. Amen? So if God, it means if God is doing nothing, then he's doing it on purpose. So whether God is doing something or doing nothing in your life, he's doing it on purpose. Amen? So open your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to open our Bibles and we're going to read from Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Can I get a little bit of water, please? I got a little something right here in my throat scratch. 
So in Matthew 14, and this morning I'm going to be reading in this scripture from the New King James Version because I love the wording in this particular scripture here. Amen? So it says in verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Thank you very much. Verse 23, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. So Jesus has spent all day ministering to, to, to these people. And, and then he says, hey, disciples, I love you guys. Get in the boat. I want you all to go to the other side. He sends the multitudes away, and then he goes in prayer by himself. So we're, he's, we're talking about a lapse of time, right? We're not just talking, hey, it took 15 minutes to send everybody home. We got a lapse of time here going on. And verse 24 says, But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. 25, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Verse 28 says, and Peter answered him. I love Peter. Peter was, he was either the, the greatest man of faith or the dumbest one of them all. How many of you feel like that sometimes? You know what I'm saying? Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. In verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Verse 32, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You know, this is, this is extra. This isn't my notes, so I'm not going to charge y'all for this this morning. But for me, it's amazing. We see this story, and I'm sure that the other 11 disciples were, were there in the boat. And, and when Jesus said, oh, you a little faith, why'd you doubt? And they probably go, oh, man, that Peter, I can't believe. But you know what? He's the only one who jumped out of the boat, you know? So if he was of little doubt, where did that leave them? You know? Anywho. So in verse 22, Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, boys, I want you all to go to the other side of, uh, of the, the sea here. And, and when God speaks to us, this is important for us to see from the beginning. When God speaks to us, he speaks to us on multiple dimensions. Amen? God's intentional when he's speaking into our lives. Well, whatever God is doing, he is very intentional about it. So when, when Jesus is speaking, he says, hey, guys, I want you to go to the other side. He's not just talking about... I want you to get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. Jesus is speaking prophetically into their lives. He's speaking even into the spiritual dimension because he knows what's about to go on. His father is revealing to him what he's working on here. Amen? And, and Jesus is telling them, uh, he says, I'm gonna, you're going to be going to the other side to a new level of faith that whenever before you got in that boat, you didn't have. You're going to have a new encounter with me that before you got in that boat to cross the other side, you didn't have. You know, God works on various dimensions. We often say, we say, well, Jesus is love. God is love, right? Or 
God is grace. But it's not that they're gracious or that, that, they, that, that, that they give us love. It's what they are, you know? Another example, my dad loves me. My dad, I'm, I'm, if you're listening, Dad, we know it. I'm your favorite, amen? You know, my dad loves me. But ain't nobody love me like mama loves me. You know what I mean? And, and God, there's different dimensions. There's different, different levels of this, amen? And, and so when Jesus is speaking to them, he's prophesying. He's saying, you're about to go to the other side, guys. You're about to enter into a new level. The frustration that you've been dealing with, you're about to get through it. That brokenness and confusion, man, when you get to the other side, you're going to be different. Amen? So, beloved, God is calling us to greater risk. Just like he was calling the disciples. Just like he was telling them. They got into, into a boat and they're in the middle of a, uh, a sea, literally. They're in the middle of a sea that's eight miles wide. The, this huge storm comes up, and there's a lot of risk going on. Amen? And God is calling us to days of greater risk, which means God is going to supply greater faith as well. Amen? So when God takes you to the other side, let me tell you something. You can't take everyone with you. When God takes us to the other side, we can't take everyone with us who we began the journey with. You know, it's incredible. We can go out and we can, we can find 15 people to go to the football game with us on Friday night. You got to come. Man. It's, it's my son's last game. He's a senior. Come watch him, you know. And, and the whole family and the dog go out, you know. But we can't get one or two people to come to church with us. You know, on Saturday, we can get everybody to go out to the park, and we're going to do a birthday party or for, you know, the church down the street, maybe go to the club because I know none of y'all here are doing that. But we can't get anybody to come to church with you. And you know what? That speaks just as much of them as it does of us. Many times we're not bold enough in our faith to live out what we say we believe, which provokes people to say, yeah, I'm going to go to church with you. They see us just as another common denominator like anybody else. You know what I'm saying? I'm not throwing stones today, amen? So if something's hitting you, that's God, not me, amen? It's time to go to the other side. And Scripture tells us that Jesus sent the multitudes away. Jesus sent the multitudes away. Does it say Jesus didn't love them? No. Those people were looking for Jesus. They were interested in who he was and what he had, especially the food that they just ate. But Jesus said he sent, the Bible says Jesus sent the multitudes away. Sometimes we just need to let God whittle down our crowd. Amen? Too often we're wanting to bring along our best friend, too often we're wanting to bring along this person or that person. And we don't let God whittle our crowd down so that we can go to the other side. Amen. So I want to take a minute here, and we're going to look just briefly at another, the same story, but in another scripture. Amen. Because it says something very different there. Mark is going to, he records something very different than Matthew. Matthew, I'm going to read right here. Matthew 14, 25 says, 
Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. That's what Matthew tells us. But Mark, Mark recorded something a little bit different than Matthew. Amen? In Mark 6, 48, and I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. It says, he saw that they were in serious trouble. Jesus saw that they were in serious trouble. Amen? Rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, or the fourth watch, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Jesus sees the disciples, and he said, man, these guys are having a problem. They're, they're, they're about to die. You know, they're in serious trouble, the Scripture says. The, the, the Scripture's true, correct? We're all in agreement on that? So if it says he's in, they were in serious trouble, in the Greek, that means serious trouble. Amen? And Jesus saw them, and so Jesus is walking towards them. And then Mark says, and he intended to go past them. What? That's in the Scripture. If you got your Bible, open it up, read it. If not, when you get home, go read it. They're out there. They got some serious trouble. There's some big things happening. Jesus saw them. And Jesus was not even planning to stop and help them. That's pretty un-American of Jesus, isn't it? I mean, even, even the good Samaritan knew to stop and help somebody. And here Jesus' best friends are in the middle of a storm, fighting for what they understand to be their lives. And Jesus is just walking right on by, not giving a care in the world to it. Is that what you see in the Scripture? Isn't that what the Scripture tells us here? Let's continue going, amen? Jesus is not being a good example to our young folk. Let's, go, let's pray. Father God, I've already said a lot this morning. And Father God, I, I, I might have poked the bear, you know, of somebody, Father God, or, 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 or maybe somebody sitting there, they're going, what? But, Father God, that's what Scripture says. And so if it's there, you're being intentional with it. And, Father God, I believe it's because you want to speak to our lives and do something. So, Lord, I pray for hope this morning. I pray you give joy to each and every one of us. May our faith grow, Father God. Lord, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come against the barriers, the restrictions, and the lies that we've believed. Break off of people's minds, Father God, these things that are holding us back. Father God, because this morning we want to go to the other side. Lord, there's obstacles and storms, Father God, and there's giants. And this morning, Father God, we need our faith increased in order to go to the other side. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, now I'm going to start my message. Amen. There was one time we were, we were out ministering in the streets down in the Dominican Republic. And my daughter, right here on the front row, Leilani, she was about seven years old. And thank, thank you, honey, for letting me use you as an example. She's turning as red as these poinsettias, but talk to God. He made you my daughter and me a pastor, so I don't know. Anywho, so we're down there, and, and we got a group of missionaries, and we're out ministering the streets. Now, the majority of the groups who came, they, they didn't speak Spanish, or most of the people didn't speak Spanish. So, you know, my wife, uh, myself, 
We have a few team members. One of our pastors, he's perfect in English. He grew up in New York uh, before moving back down to the Dominican Republic. You know, so we always had a good team to help us translate. Well, man, God is moving this night. Awesome things are happening, and I need more people. Man, I'm praying with this group, and I'm running over there and praying with that group, and I need help. And I see Leilani. She's over there on the sidelines just kind of taking it all in, watching. And I call her and I say, Leilani, come here, honey. I said, I need you to help me. I need you to go pray for people. I need you to be translating. The missionaries are praying. You don't even have to pray. You just need to translate what they're saying. And she looks at me and she goes, Dad, me? Praying for them? Like, this was a huge, giant obstacle in her life. And, and, you know, me being the good, caring, loving father I am who wants to, you know, impart everything and spiritual wisdom into his, his children, I say, yeah, get out of here, go, you know? You heard me pray, and then I'm going back, and I, I'm doing what I got to do. And then a little while later, I look over, and this little seven-year-old girl, man, she stopped translating I mean, she had her hand on somebody's forehead, and she's got the other one, and she's just waving it around like this. And, man, those poor missionaries were standing around twiddling their thumbs because that girl got on it, man. She was praying. But you know what? That night she learned a lesson that many of us have to learn. And we constantly have to remind ourselves and, and even constantly relearn this lesson. And this is an important part of today's message. God will never put us in a situation to embarrass us. Leilani was not confident in her abilities. She'd never done it before. She, she, was, uh, she felt inferior. But me as her father, I'm not going to put her in something I know she can't do. Amen. I'm not going to put her in something just to embarrass her. God is not going to put us in a situation to embarrass us. God is never going to set you up to fail. Amen? Many times we believe that, but God is never going to set us up to fail. But you know what he will do? He will set us up to grow. (laughs) And I laugh because most of my growth comes from my failures. God will set us up to grow. He will set us up to build us up. Amen? God is not trying to make a disappointment out of your life, but he is trying to get you to live in your destiny. Amen? And God will put you in situations. He will put you in places. He will put you in circumstances that feel uncomfortable, that look uncomfortable, that you stand back and you go, man, this is a storm and there is no hope. But you know what? Just like Peter walked on that water, we're going to learn how to grow. Because that's a situation God put us in. Amen? Many people are facing storms and they're wondering, why? Why do I have all these trials and tribulations? Why can can I take one step forward and two step backs? Why does whatever I seem to put my hand to is not prospering? You know why? Who wants to know the answer? All right, over here. I'm going to preach to y'all this morning. Amen? The answer is because you were born for it. You were born for this. 
Queen Esther, born for such a time as this. That's a beautiful tagline. But you know what? That went against everything within her being. She said, who am I? Who am I? And her cousin said, you were born for such a time as this. You better do it, girl. God is putting us in places. He's putting storms in our lives because we were born for them. When we are people of faith, the impossible should be logical. Well, I can't do that. Of course you can't, but your God can. Amen? The impossible should be logical to us. We should look at these situations. And, and there's so many stories I could give and examples, but we don't have a lot of time, praise the Lord. But you, I grew up dirt, dirt, dirt poor. And I'm not rich today by any means at all. I don't even have a vehicle. <laughs> My mom has loaned me her vehicle for the last two months. Thank you, Mom. But you know what? I'm probably one of the richest people you ever meet because I know who my daddy is. And I, you can look at me, amen. How are we going to do this? I don't know. God, how are you going to do that? That's how we should be as people of faith, amen. I still got to grow in other areas, but I've grown there. So, let me tell you what a storm is not, amen? A storm is not, I have a flat tire because I didn't tithe last week. That's not a storm. You have a flat tire because all the air went out of your tire. Amen? A storm is not these, these small things that we think God is coming against us on. But you know what a storm is? Impossibilities in your marriage. Your finances are in such a place where you say, God, literally, if you don't do something right now, today, it's over. They're, they're coming to take the house. A storm is relations. Man, my siblings and I haven't spoken in 15 years. Those are storms. A storm is, you know what? I'm having trouble uh, uh, connecting with people. I have, I have difficulties learning. Those are storms. Amen? So this morning, no matter what we're facing, you were born for the impossible, and you were born for the storm. Amen? And I'm going to give you three things to help build your faith this morning. Amen? We're going to go through these as quick as we can. The first one, walk where Jesus tells you to walk. Walk where Jesus tells you to walk. The Scripture says, Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command, you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus responds, come. And Peter begins walking on the water. And we read the Bible from a third-person perspective when we read the Bible. We're on the outside looking in. But we have to remember, we have to look at this from Peter's perspective. And, and, and beloved, we got to remember, Peter isn't the apostle Peter yet. 
He's barely the disciple, Peter. He's just been with Jesus a short time. He's, he's still, in all reality, he's still fisherman, Peter. Amen? He, he's, he's still fisherman, Peter. And we have to read this from his perspective. As a fisherman, the water's his enemy. That's where he, you know, it determines whether he's going to be able to feed his family tonight, whether his business succeeds or not. You with me? I mean, this, this, this is a big deal in Fisherman Peter's life. He was constantly at war with the water. So when Peter sees Jesus walking on the water, he doesn't just see Jesus defying gravity and physics. He sees Jesus walking all over his enemy. Amen? But you know what's so incredible about this story? Jesus wasn't the only one who walked on water that night. Peter, the Bible tells us Peter got out of the boat and walked on water as well. And what's so important about that? Because it doesn't only signify that Jesus walks all over your enemy. Jesus will have you know what it's like to walk all over your enemy as well. Amen? But in order to do that, you have to walk where Jesus tells you to walk. You have to do what he says to do. If he doesn't say to do it, don't jump out of the boat. Amen? But when he says, come, you better be jumping out of that boat. If Jesus says, believe for healing, believe for your healing. If Jesus says, forgive, forgive. If Jesus says, give, give. If Jesus says, Shout, shout. If Jesus says, sit down and be quiet, sit down and be quiet. Amen? We have to walk where he tells us to. And this is where, this is where the story gets a little bit blurry. Amen? Because people remember the story and they go, oh, Jesus walked on water. We say it all the time. Jesus walked on water. And we don't ever mention that Peter walked on water. We're probably jealous of Peter, if we're going to be honest. But we don't mention it. But when we do mention Peter, we go, Peter walked on water, and he sank. Oh, that Peter, he sank. He's a good sinker. But that's not what the Bible tells us. Matthew 14, 29 through 30 said, Peter had come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to speak, uh, sink, and he shouted out, Lord, save me. People say, oh, yeah, well, Peter walked on water, but he sank too. But if somebody said this to me, I would answer, yep, I walked on water. And I may have began to sink, but at least I was close enough to Jesus for him to reach down and save me. <laughs> Beloved, when we walk where God calls us to walk, where we go where Jesus calls us to go, we may begin to sink, but you know what the beautiful thing is? I would rather sink with Jesus than to walk on water by myself. Amen. Number two, learn to live in the middle. Learn to live life in the middle. Now, unless we're talking about an Oreo, nobody likes the middle of anything. Amen. Especially those double stuffed ones. We don't like the middle of anything in life. The middle is, is the mundane. 
It's where, you know what, 5 o'clock rolls around, i got to get up and put on my shoes and go to work and, and work all day and come home and, uh, and, you know, the middle, right? We don't even like our middle names because when mama shouts it, that means we're in trouble. <laughs> we don't like the middle. In life, we love starting things full of vision and, and passion and, and oh, let's do this. And we love finishing things because, man, praise God. Look what God has done. This is amazing. We're finished. Look at that. But the middle, I don't know why, but just our human nature, we tend to not like that. When I counsel people, they always tend to say something like, you know what, Pastor? I'm in the middle of a problem. They never, I've never heard anybody tell me, Pastor, I'm at the beginning of a problem and I need help. Pastor, I'm in the middle of a problem. I've never had somebody say, Pastor, I'm at the end of a storm. Can you come help me? No. Pastor, I'm in the middle of a storm. Oh, man, Pastor. And I have found in my life I have to learn to deal with the middle better. We have to learn to deal with that better. You know, several years ago when we were down in the Dominican Republic, we had our first big earthquake. Now, down there they have earthquakes every week. And, but this was our first big one, and it was on a Sunday. My wife and I, you know, it was, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the morning, and, um, man, the whole house is shaking. Our bed is shaking. Our windows are shaking. And I'm just laying there, you know. I'm from North Texas. You know, we have tornadoes. What's an earthquake, you know? And, and the earth is shaking. And as I'm laying there in bed, I, I'm, seriously, I'm thinking, I go, Oh, my gosh, what if we die? You know, and I'm thinking, you know, a few years back, there was this huge thing in Haiti. And Haiti is still destroyed from that earthquake. And I'm like, what if we die? I go, you know what? Let me get up and run and give my kids a hug and a kiss. And I go, well, you know what? By the time I get up, they're going to be dead anyway. So, you know, should I hug my wife and wake her up, you know? And what, what do you do, you know? I just I got all these thoughts running through my, through my mind. So it was a Sunday, and, and, and praise God, we lived. The building was fine. Nobody died. And uh, we go to church. Man, we go to church, and, I, oh, my gosh, did you, that earthquake, did you feel it? Did you see it? Did you? Yeah. Everybody's like, there was an earthquake, Pastor? Yeah, I mean, there was something. I wasn't even a 5.0, Pastor. And I'm like, are you kidding me? My, my building was shaking. But there was a difference in my reaction and their reaction. And you know why? Because they've lived through the middle of an earthquake. They know when to worry and when not to worry. Tornadoes, I know all about that. First time we, we were married, we went through a tornado our first time. Man, she's running around like a chicken with her head cut off. Oh, my gosh, we're going to die. Get to a basement. We don't have one. Find one, you know. Dig a hole. And I was like, babe, all right, I grew up in North Texas. I can feel it. Nope, we're not going to have a tornado. I can feel it in my skin. We're not having one. They said it's here. It was 50 miles away, you know. But why could I do that? Because I'd live through the middle of them. I literally had one go right over my head one time. You know, I know when to worry and when not to worry. 
Have you ever met people who have gone through trials and they still have joy? They still have peace and they still have hope? Those are people who have learned to live in the middle. Those are people who have learned where to cast their faith, where to place their faith. People who live in the middle are compassionate. They're not judgmental. They're merciful. They have been through the ugly parts of life. Amen? That's what it means to live in the middle. I believe in the middle is where we learn the most. In the middle is where we, we, we develop spiritual maturity, spiritual muscle, so you can carry what God wants to put on your life. Beloved, we have to learn to live in the middle. We have to learn to live in the middle. Matthew 14, 24 says, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Here it tells us the boat's in the middle of the sea. The Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide. And they're at mile marker number four. Amen? And no doubt someone is in the boat. I'm, it was probably James. I'm a James. I know how us Jameses can be. James would probably say, come on, guys, let's go back. Jesus is back there. Man, this is tough. We're fighting against the wind. If we just go back, we won't have to work near as hard. Let's turn around. And I'm sure somebody was in the boat saying that, even though Jesus had said, hey, guys, go to the other side. Beloved, we can't let things tell us to turn around. We can't let circumstances tell us to turn around. We can't let the way things turn out, because they turn out different than the way we th they always do. We think it's going to turn out this way, and it turns out different. Sometimes better, a lot of times better, but it's different. So we can't let different tell us to turn around, amen? When Jesus says, keep going, we keep going. We need marriages to keep going. Man, I got a whole other teaching on that. But one of the most spiritual things we can do in our marriage is just keep on going. Well, I don't love him today. You know what? He doesn't love you either, but you just keep going. Tomorrow's coming. It's a new day. Amen? Don't kill your kids. I want to kill him. You know what? They feel the same way. Pray for them and keep going. Uh, we laugh because we've seen that in our neighbors' lives, right? Nobody's lived that. We need parents to keep going. We need prayer to keep going. Amen? There's no doubt there are people in your life that says, just turn around. This is getting too dangerous. It's too much. Turn around. But what if we ask the boat... What if we could go back and we could talk to that boat? And we're out there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and we're saying, hey, little boat, what do you think we should do? I'm sure that boat would say, you know what? This thing's eight miles across. I had my rudder fixed last week. They went and they knocked off all the barnacles. I think I can do this. Let's keep going. It's going to take just as much time, 
just as much distance. And the reality is it's going to take just as much uh, strength and energy to get to the other side as it is to go back. It is. That's the reality. Why would we want to trade our future for the familiar? When Jesus tells us to go to the other side, we need to trust that Jesus knows he has something better for us. And many times we don't trust that. Many times we say, you know what, I like the familiar. I like what's comfortable. And why would we trade our future for the familiar? Amen? Keep going. So the Bible tells us the boat was in the middle of the sea. And you read this with me, and you notice it never says that the disciples were in the middle of the sea. It says the boat was in the middle of the sea. So my question is, who put the disciples in the boat? Who put the disciples in there? Verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. If people want to turn around, the boat would tell them, no, stay inside. Let's go. Let's keep going. This is where God has put you. Don't jump ship now. Amen? Say with me, I need to stay where God has put me. That's what we need to do. And just in case you forgot who your God is, let me remind you something. God put you in this boat. God put you in this church. God put you in your marriage. God put you in your family. Yeah, I know you're the only sane, normal one in your family, but God put you around all those other crazies so that they could see the glory of God. Amen? So if God puts you there, why would you turn your back now? You're halfway across. Keep going. I think what happens is too many times in life we've had these Mark 648 experiences, and I'm going to go over just a little bit. I'm trying to hurry up. He saw that they were in, Mark 648 says, Jesus saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. Too often in life we have these experiences where we feel as if Jesus has walked right on past us. We feel like Jesus saw me and Jesus said, oh, okay, and kept on going. Everyone else is getting blessed. Everyone else is getting a breakthrough. Everyone else got a word. Why am I overlooked? You say, God, why are you ignoring me? Why don't you care about me? If you cared about me, I got good news, beloved. God's not ignoring you. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. And when you call out to him like Peter did, when you call out, he will tell you to do things that everyone thought were impossible. And if you learn to walk where Jesus tells you to walk, if you learn to live in the middle, you will find that you were born for impossibilities and you were born for storms that no one else thought were possible. You will, you will walk on water when no one else does. That's what happens. 
when we learn to walk where Jesus tells us to, and, and, and we learn to live in the middle. And number three, answer the invitation. If you were born for the storm, you have to be ready to answer the invitation of risk. R-I-S-K, a four-letter word for most of us. It's not a bad thing. You have to answer the invitation of faith. You have to answer the invitation, Lord, I will go send me without knowing how things are going to be. Just because Jesus said go. In many ways, my wife and I are like Peter. We're either spiritual or we're dumber than a box of rocks. And I'll leave that to your discretion. <laughs> because God has given us a gift. And this, this is something, I can't take credit for it. But God has given us a gift. We upped and moved our family from a comfortable life to the Dominican Republic to be missionaries. And we didn't even know what we were going to do. God told us, he said, go love my people, and I'll show you what to do when you get there. Man, that's crazy. You know what's even crazier? We spent nine years of our lives there serving God, loving God, serving people, and loving people. We pastored three churches there. We, God has given us influence all over the country, from the lowest person all the way up to the presidency. And in January, God began to speak to our hearts, says, James, Brenda, I want you all to go back to the United States. What? I rebuke you. That's not from the Lord. Look at all these wonderful things God is doing. So we began to seek God, and sure enough, it was him. And people began to ask us, okay, what are you going to do? I don't know. The Lord said go, and he'll show us. And I don't say that to pat us on the back. I say that to share our story. As people of faith, we have to learn to live the impossible, the things that don't make sense. When God says something, you do it. Amen? I'm going to take a step of faith here. But had we not done that, we wouldn't be here today sharing this message with you. And, letting, and God would not be touching your heart like he is in this moment. Do you realize that? That's how much God loves you, loves us to be a part of this. So we have to answer the invitation of going where we do not know. The Bible says that when Jesus tells Peter, come, Peter got out of the boat and begins to walk on water. And I do believe that Peter and Jesus literally walked on water together. But you know what? I also believe that there was a little something extra underneath the feet of Peter. And that was the word come. My Lord said, do it. I'm doing it. And he did it. It was working. He got distracted. But then what happened? He refocused. He was back with Jesus. Amen? Let me tell you something. What you need today, what we need today is just one word from God. God's word can do things that therapy cannot do. God's word can do things that medicine cannot. 
And I'm not against therapy and I'm not against medicine. But I have put my life solely in the care of God's Word. God's Word can do things that nothing else can do. And we have to be willing to answer that invitation. God's Word will do things that your circumstances tell you will be impossible, but you still have to answer the invitation. It's interesting to me to know that Jesus was actually in two different storms. When we read in the Bible, there were two storms. The storm in the book of Matthew where Jesus is walking on water. And in, and in Mark 4, he's in a storm where he rebukes the storm. And this is important for us, and it's interesting. Why would Jesus rebuke one storm and not the other? Amen? Hey, then, I love this. There are storms that you have the authority to rebuke, and there are storms whose purpose is to build you. What did I tell you at the beginning? I'm never going to put my daughter in a situation that's going to embarrass her or tear her down. It may be uncomfortable. It may be difficult. But the purpose is to build her up. God is never going to put you in a place to tear you down. God is going to put you in a, in a place whose purpose and make you pass through storms, whose purpose is to build you up. Amen? I'm going to say it again. There are storms that you have the authority to rebuke, and there are storms whose purpose is to build you up. Amen? Make you stronger in Jesus. The storms you're supposed to walk to, through, you can go through all kinds of opposition, but you know what? You still have joy. You still have peace. You have high hopes. Your faith is strong. All trouble can be around you, but you have authority to walk through that storm. And there are storms we should be rebuking. When Jesus rebukes the storm in Mark 4, the word in, in Greek there for, the, for, for rebuke is the word used for dealing with the demonic. Dealing with the demonic. So, so Jesus sees something demonic behind this sudden storm that comes up on the sea. It was an unusual weather pattern. And sometimes we have unusual patterns come up in our life out of nothing. Almost demonic. I'm talking about, you know, where this thing goes wrong and that thing goes wrong. Even this weekend, we live six hours away. Man, we're running around Friday to get packed up and come. We, you know, all right, we're, we're in the car. Where's the keys? Who had the keys? You had the key. No, you had the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We find the keys. Praise God. We get going down the road. We forgot. Oh, well, we'll live without it. We get going down the road. I mean, just one thing after another after another. Then we get here Saturday morning. I wake up. We're going to go see your lovely town of Odessa, Texas, this beautiful metropolis you have here. One day I'll see it. Didn't get to this time. Because I go out, and I look underneath my car. There's a big puddle of water or something. Pull my car out. It's radiator fluid. I just drove 300-something miles, and I don't know how much. My car didn't overheat, but, man. Call Brother Adrian. He calls Brother Jackie. Brother Jackie calls one of his guys, sends him over. Guy comes over. He looks at it. He goes, yep, think you got a cracked head. I go, yeah, when my mama finds out this is her car, and I am going to have a cracked head. That's a bunch of storms piling up. 
You know what I'm talking about? But along the journey, every time it comes up, I said, you know what? This ain't stopping us. We're if we have to get out and push this car, we're going. If I got a hitchhike, we're going to get there. And you know what? We'll have a good time visiting with folks along the way. Those are storms where we have to learn to rebuke. You know what the good news is? I don't even think it's a cracked head. It's some stupid little hose that the mechanic's got to fix. That's even better news. The devil tries to lie to us. Amen? And, hey, John's a good guy. Don't count it against him, okay? We have unusual patterns going on in our lives. Those are storms that we need to learn to identify and rebuke. Amen? Maybe you're sick now. Then, then as soon as you get better, something breaks. Refrigerator goes out. Oh, oh, you get that fixed now. Oh, dog died. You know, just one thing after another, after another, after another. Beloved, that is a storm that you have the authority to rebuke. How do you rebuke it? Be still in Jesus' name. Amen. Rebuke those storms. Many times what happens, we're trying to rebuke storms that we should be walking through, and we walk through storms that we should be rebuking. I need to say that again. Many times we are walking, we rebuke storms that we should be walking through, and we're walking through storms that we should be rebuking. I don't know where you're at this morning, but many of us are facing storms. And that's not prophetic. That's just statistics. The Bible says it will rain on the just and the unjust. And it also says that the just shall live by faith. And beloved, today we're in a faith-filled atmosphere. And I believe we're in a place that, that, that we can help destroy some of these storms in your life. Amen. What I want to do right now is I want, I'm going to close, and I'm going to pray for you as well. Amen. The first place to get rid of storms is, is giving your life to Jesus. So I'm going to invite each and every one of you, close your eyes wherever you're at, and if you're online and you're there in your house, and you say, you know what, I am going through storms, but I've never had Jesus in my heart. That's the first place you start. Giving Jesus your life, saying, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. If that's you this morning and you're in this place or you're at home, just raise your hand so we can pray with you this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. I see your hands. And I tell you what, if you're there at home with you, just close your eyes. and We want to pray with you. And you don't have to repeat the prayer with me. You pray the words that are in your heart. But, Father God, I lift up my brothers and sisters before you this morning, Father God. I welcome them into the family of God. Lord, they're beginning anew. They're, they have a new family. They didn't, and that is awesome. But, Father God, I just pray that Holy Spirit come wherever they're at at this moment. And, Lord, invade, just, just fill their hearts and their lives and their mind. Plant joy, peace, and hope in them, Father God, in such an amazing way, Father God. And, Father God, help them to be able to, to grow exponentially, Father God, in their faith and to face these storms as never before, Father God. And if that's you, right now in your own words, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I need you. I accept you. I receive you. Amen. 
Today is a new day. Today's a new day for you, but today's a new day for each and every one of us. Maybe you have salvation, but you're still learning how to live and learning which storms to walk through and which ones to rebuke. Well, I want to pray for you as well. Amen. Father God, I want to pray for everyone, Lord. There are those who are going through storms, storms of unusual patterns. A storm which, which, which they're, they, they're not supposed to walk through. Father God, I just lift them up and I pray, Father God. And Father God, there's some of us, Father God, who are going through storms through which we're supposed to walk through and not rebuke. Father God, independent of what category we find ourselves in, Father God, I want to pray for them. Father God, I pray you get rid of these storms that, that aren't meant to build us up, that are a demonic attack. We rebuke those in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against us can prosper. And if God be for us, who can be against us? No, not one. I thank you, Father God. Father God, I pray, Father God, for those who, who find themselves in a boat in the middle of a sea, Father God, and they're in the middle of a raging storm. Father God, I lift them up. I pray, Father God, that they have that faith of Peter, Father God, and Lord, that they are able to come and walk on the water, Father God. But Father God, regardless whether they get out of that boat or not, they still go to the other side. They keep going that they not give up, that they not sacrifice the future that you have for them for the familiar of where they've come. Father God, I pray for more faith. I pray for the gift of faith, Father God, to rise up in the hearts of everyone here, Father God. May we be all be transformed by the supernatural power of Holy Spirit. Father God, more of you in our lives, more of you, more of you, Father God. We don't want to stay with the status quo. We want change, Father God. We want difference, Father God. And I thank you, and we bless you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. I just want to take a moment to thank you for watching this week's message. If God used it to bless you, think of someone you can share the link with. Let's continue reaching our friends and families with the hope of the gospel every chance we get. If you decided to follow Jesus or rededicate your life to Him today, congratulations! We're excited for you because we know that God has a great plan for your life. We would love to congratulate you and send you some special info. Fill out our digital connect card at impactcity.cc slash connect card and check on one of the boxes under I have decided to. Well, once again, we want to thank you for watching this week's message. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe buttons before you sign off today. Have a blessed week. We'll see you soon.